Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week four. Got a couple weeknight games. Got a lot going on in the ACC this weekend. How are you doing? You ready to talk some games? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, before we talk games, I think there was something that we teased on Twitter. Do we want to pay that off right here at the uh, off the top of the episode? Yeah, let's do that. So... Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, has been commissioner for, ooh, Joey, what, almost two years now? Is that right? Probably about right. Yeah, I think this is his second, no more than his third football season here. Yeah. Um, he comes from the Chicago area, right? Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes from Northwestern. We're all kind of familiar with his, with his background, where he came from. He was the AD uh, there. He was thought to be the front runner to be the new commissioner of the Big Ten when Kevin Warren got that job here a couple years ago. Right. Right. Lo and behold, he moves over to the ACC. He's been commissioner now for a couple of years. Um, we've been hearing that he is on the short list of candidates for the Chicago Bears vacant president job in the front office. Now kind of take a step back you say okay why does why would he want that job um his wife he and his wife kept their home in evansville illinois Mm -hmm. um that's you know they didn't totally uproot the family now of course you know who can who can foresee that the bears present opening would would occur right who can see that um i do find it interesting though that jim phillips a guy who was supposed to be the Big Ten commissioner, right? Everybody thought that he would get that job. Kevin Warren gets it instead. Comes over to the ACC, and we're like, okay, well, he's been a career-long administrator. You know, he's he's a good fit in terms of, like, he knows what he's doing. But no real ties to the ACC. So if you kind of take a step back and think about it, if he's ever looking for an escape plan, maybe this is it, right? And, again, this would be kind of a role that i mean being president of the bears is a role that he would probably thrive in from the standpoint of how much different is it from his ad job at northwestern right probably not too terribly different other than you know there's there's the college and pro aspect of things so that's inherently different but in terms of administering kind of overseeing an operation that's something he's very familiar with doing and he could do it in his neck of the woods kind of where his family has has been right mm-hmm. so i uh, don't know how serious this is but we have it on good authority he's on the list there so joey let's start here implications for the acc if he were ever to actually take that job i mean it, obviously the the number one most obvious thing is that it implies the acc needs a new commissioner 
Um, and, you know, Phillips, like you mentioned, I mean, is a guy who's really well regarded uh, when he was hired. But, you know, in the time since he's come on, I, I mean, the only significant thing that I can think of that he has really done or been a part of was uh, he, he worked a lot behind the scenes, and uh, I, I thought he was really instrumental in creating a really good, I, I don't know what we call it, maybe an alliance with the Big right. 12 and the Pac-12. Um, so that, that, that really, so well. so that swimmingly. yeah, that took the ACC a long way um, and really accomplished a lot. And so I don't know if that, if that alliance would survive anymore, especially now that, you know, I don't know, we're raiding each other and nobody really uh, nobody really respects anything anymore. The sanctity of alliances is all out the window at this point. There is no alliance, yeah. <laughs> there is no alliance. Um, the other thing, Mike, that, that comes to my mind immediately as it relates to Jim Phillips is, there. you know, there's been some talk in recent years, and especially is the way that some of these media contracts have gotten just so out of control. Um, you know, with the, with the one that the Big Ten announced recently, um, making just absolute buku bucks per school every right. year, and and it's all right. about um, you know not only negotiating TV contracts but putting together a product that is it is a TV show and gives the ability to market a TV show and get interest and eyeballs and all those things and drive value through that like value stream. Um, look at what I believe it was the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have both fairly recently hired new commissioners. And if you look at it, especially the Pac-12, these are not folks that are like career administrators in college sports. Um, these are like more like along the lines of media moguls. Uh, I want to say that the guy from the Pac-12, uh, George Klyavkov, I believe is uh, from like the Tennis Network or... Something if I want to say he has a tennis background of some sort, but basically these are folks that are a lot more like media savvy and able to drive value through a media contract. And that's a huge deal. And that's something that I wonder is, you know, Jim Phillips, somebody who comes from a very traditional administrative NCAA background. Does that matter in this day and age and in this current phase of the NCAA? Is the NCAA going to be around that much more? At least as it relates to football, maybe, right. maybe not. Um, so it's. I, I wonder a little bit. Phillips seemed like the right pick at the time, but with what some of the events that have happened in the time since he was announced, I'm starting to wonder a little bit if the ACC wouldn't be better served with somebody with a little bit of a different skill set, given the the current context that we're working in. Man. We were so quick to run off John Swafford, weren't we? Not quick enough. We still got that friggin' JP, uh, what's the uh, Jefferson Pilot special every week. That's right. Anyways. <laughs> what a mess. What a mess. Um, Love this conference. Go ACC. I don't, to be totally transparent with you, Joey, like I have no idea what this means in regard to what the ACC would look like moving forward. I think it's obviously way too early to even consider that, but I mean, I, I think in an era that we're kind of moving towards with super conferences with kind of the SEC and the Big Ten kind of being their own thing um, and kind of poaching teams and just it's kind of every man for himself in the remainder of the conferences. The ACC, I think, needs a, needs a strong commissioner that is going to kind of stand up for the best interests of the conference, whether that's mm -hmm. Jim Phillips or somebody else. So, you know, there, there's a lot of uncertainty in the sport, obviously, and kind of where things are headed. But 
it will it will definitely be interesting to see if you know teams kind of continue moving to the SEC and the Big Ten, and then Jim Phillips says, "Yep, I'm out of here," and the ACC is kind of in this cloud of uncertainty to begin with, and then they have to hire another commissioner. Right. Like, what does that look like? What candidate are you going to get there? Like, does the candidate even want to be kind of embroiled in this? Like, do they want to step into an absolute mess where, like, teams are fleeing the conference or, you know, coming in, going out? Like, what are they inheriting? Right. So the timing of this, I think, is, you know, really means everything. Right. Does Mm -hmm. the SEC, because I think the SEC is the most logical conference in, in terms of, starting to poach teams out of the ACC, just considering the teams who I think would be considered first to, to lead the conference, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, I think the three. And then I think there's the Virginia Techs, the NC States of the world. Um, they would probably kind of be in that in that second group. But considering where Florida State's located, where, where Clemson's located, where Miami's located, those are SEC-type schools. And if they just decide they're going to start poaching some ACC schools and Jim Phillips leaves around the same time, who is stepping in to kind of usher the ACC into this new era, whatever that kind of portends. So very, very interesting here anyway, to begin with and thinking that Jim Phillips, when he was hired, was probably going to be commissioner for a long time. Still might be right. Still might be. But the fact that he's being considered for a big time NFL job, I think is something that is interesting considering the timing and the realignment and everything else is going on. Yeah. And I, I'll I'll say this too. I mean <laughs> I we, we would be remiss if if we didn't point out like we might be getting way ahead of ourselves here. Like you know, Mike, you you have it on a good source that this is something that is in play, but it is it is not from our understanding it is not a done deal. Um no. this is not something that, you know, is imminent that is going to happen tomorrow anything like that. So this might this could all be much ado about nothing. That's entirely possible. Um, but in the case that it did happen, and it seems like it's it's at least on the table, a thing that could happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be a, a big deal in one way or the other for the ACC. Something that would have some some definite implications. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, more on that as we have it, uh, if we have it. Who knows? Um, never know what a a good source might feed you, but. That's that's business in the uh, podcasting business, I suppose, as they say. That that is true. <laughs> Many people. Joey, are saying, you know what? You know, give me a round of applause, right? <laughs> I, I think I deleted that off the new soundboard, so okay. uh, I apologize. Right, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, I also realized that uh, I need mm. to go work on uploading the uh, the lock sound. Don't know where that went. That's gone. Uh, so we'll we'll work on that. We'll get to that before uh, before we really need to. I promise. Seems important. Sle- yeah, slightly important. You know, one of the top five sounds that we use the most on this podcast. So um, that's, that's you know, we'll see. We, I, I, we use that one slightly more than we use this one. Virginia is awesome. That's right. Oh, they are, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Th- thank you about all that. <laughs> thank you for yeah. the reminder. Mike, you want to talk about some games? Let's do it. Week four. Week four. Not week three. Not week, week four week in four. the ACC. And I am excited, Mike. Do you know why I'm excited about this week? Clemson's playing Wake Forest. Because it's one week closer to Georgia Tech firing Jeff Collins, A. And okay. B, it's also we got two weeknight games this week. That is a treat. And Dude. not only you know two games, but on separate nights, both Thursday and a Friday game. That is, uh, that's exciting to me. I like that. It's, it's been a while since we've had that. Yes, agree. 
Two, two nights in a row, leading into Saturday. That's right. Let's start on Thursday night, Mike. At 7.30 on ESPN, your Virginia Tech Hokies are a one-and-a-half-point underdog at home, taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers. Total is 50-and-a-half. Uh, it is the battle for the Black Diamond Trophy, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Mike? That is correct. That is correct. All right, good. Uh, good start here. Good start. Uh this is a game, Mike, West Virginia, we saw them a few weeks ago. Uh, they took on Pittsburgh, played a very back-and-forth, uh, exciting game. I, I, I mean, West Virginia seems like they are a team that is flawed. They're still trying to get their feet under them, uh, under Neil Brown. Uh, surprised a little bit in a way that it's taken this long, but seems like they're, they're still trying to pull it together a little bit. Um, I will tell you, for my personal sake, and then I'll let you kind of go off on this game a little bit, Yep. I, I think I like West Virginia here um, as a small favorite on the road. It's purely I, – I don't know that they're going to score a ton on Virginia Tech's defense. I think the Hokies' defense is going to play pretty well in this game. But uh, I do think they're going to score more than Virginia Tech's offense does against you know even an average West Virginia defense. I, I don't think the Hokies are going to move the ball very well as they have not yet this season really against anybody with a pulse. So – Yep. Um, give me West Virginia and give me under 50 and a half in this game. I, I feel fairly confident on how this is going to go. What do you think? Um, what do you think the best unit is on the field in this game? Probably Virginia Tech's linebackers, if not like, you know, maybe call it the front seven. That's probably the most complete yeah. unit in the game. I agree with you. And that's why I'm taking Virginia Tech. I here's the thing here, Joey. I agree with you. Virginia Tech's offense has struggled, has not been very good, not been very consistent. Um, even against Wofford, kind of struggled to separate, pull away in the second half. We talked about all that. Um, West Virginia's got some playmakers. C.J. Donaldson, really talented running back. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton, good receiver. J.T. Daniels, pretty mediocre quarterback. That's my thought on it. Uh, Virginia Tech is, this is courtesy of Cover 3 that I listened to today, Another podcast. Uh, Virginia Tech is twenty-four and ten at home on Thursday nights. Um, this is a tough atmosphere for West Virginia to go into. Now, Virginia Tech in primetime games of late has not played. They have not played great. They also haven't played on Thursday night in a while. And Thursday night in Blacksburg is a little bit a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of the night that Virginia Tech always has kind of circled on the calendar. Historically, they would always get like an annual Thursday night game because they were a program with a lot of prestige and they were good. Virginia mm-hmm. Tech hasn't been good in a while, and you know now you get a home Thursday night game against West Virginia. It's a revenge spot from last year. Um, I don't know how JT Daniels is going to perform in this environment. Uh, this is, you know, we talked about the environments he's gone into before, right? He played in the SEC, but he also got replaced. <laughs> at quarterback in the, in the SEC. He played at USC, and they didn't really go into environments quite like this. This is going to be a top two or three environment he has started in, right, and and played significant snaps in. Probably true. This yeah. is going to – it's it's a tough it's a tough place to tough place to go play. The story of this game, in my opinion, can Virginia Tech's front seven contain C.J. Donaldson, the, the talented running back for West Virginia? If they can and they turn this into a game where JT Daniels has to throw a bunch, I think that plays into Virginia Tech's favor. If West Virginia is going to be able to establish a running game here and JT Daniels is going to get comfortable, I think this is going to be a long game for Virginia Tech. 
So that's kind of where I'm at here. I think it's low scoring. I'm also on the under, Joey. You mentioned under 50 and a half. I'm with you. I think Virginia Tech wins close. I'm going to say maybe 23-17. Um, that would go under. <laughs> oh, yeah, comfortably. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah, I, I think it goes under by like 7 to 10 points, and I think Virginia Tech's on the, and, you know, on the right side of it. Now, I this game feels like a pick em to me. Uh, I don't know. West Virginia's defense has not been very good. They have 55 to Kansas. They did not look good in the opener against Pitt. Um, you know, last weekend, throwaway game against Towson. So how much are you going to take away from that? But West Virginia's defense has not been very good. So if there's going to be a game where Virginia Tech is going to show up and play a little bit better, maybe it's this one, right? Rivalry spot, trying to get revenge from a year ago. You're at home. The running game is going to be really important. Keyshawn King looks like he's going to play. He did not play against Wofford. Obvious reasons it was Wofford. Uh, but he has been pretty solid on the ground against against ODU and Boston College. So getting him back I think is really important. Virginia Tech's going to be without Malachi Thomas again. Uh, he was banged up in camp. He still hasn't played this year. When he plays probably in, in, in week in week five against North Carolina, you know, he'll he'll probably play a significant amount of snaps, I would assume. So Virginia Tech's getting healthier in the running in the running back room. I think that's significant. But Virginia Tech's offensive line needs to play better. They got to get better up front, get better push. The the run blocking's been poor. They got to block better. This might be the game to do it against West Virginia's defense has not been very good. So mm-hmm. give me the Hokies close. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Mike, let me ask you this, and then we can move on. If you're handicapping Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech, who has the better offense? Pittsburgh. And who has the better defense? Maybe Virginia Tech. Pretty close. I, I mean, maybe splitting hairs. Right. And and I guess I, I look at that, and I, I saw that game where West Virginia went on the road into a very hostile environment on a Thursday yep. night, for what that's worth, you know, just drawing parallels here, mm-hmm. and was in position to win that game with, like, five minutes left. Right? right. And so right. I, I think that's maybe the main point of, of come drawing comparisons again. Um I think I'm just of the opinion that over a 60-minute game, an offense like West Virginia's, they're going to be explosive enough. JT Daniels is going to make a couple of throws down the field, you know, kind of change the game that way, that I think West Virginia scores enough to, to hold off Virginia Tech here. Maybe it's like 20-17, to 17, something like that. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I agree, very low scoring. I don't think either team is going to really run away with this. Um, so 50-and-a-half, not a huge number, but I think it goes under that as well. Yep, I'm with you. Any locks? You good? I got the sound ready if you I'm need good. it. I'm good. I'll, pa- I'll pass. Hard pass. <laughs> pass. All right. Fair enough. All right. Definitely the under. Uh, West Virginia for me. Virginia Tech for Mike. Let's move on to Friday at 7 p.m. on ESPN. The Virginia Cavaliers, which we, as we say, Mike. Virginia is awesome. That's right. That's right. Virginia is awesome. They're taking on the Syracuse Orange in the... I'm just calling it the Carrier Dome. I know it's the JMA Wireless Dome. I just refuse to call it that. It's the Carrier Dome. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's like Colin, <laughs> Colin Heights Field Acquisher Stadium. Yeah, no, it's the big ketchup bottle. Come on. Right. Uh, <laughs> this game's at 7 o'clock on ESPN. It's in the Carrier Dome. Uh, Syracuse, a nine-point favorite in this game. Total is 53. I don't love this number, Mike. I don't love laying nine with Syracuse, but... I also don't know that Virginia is going to have a whole lot of luck like moving the ball and, and scoring against Syracuse's defense at this point. 
This feels like it's going to be a weird, amazing, ugly game. Amazing, amazing statement. Sorry. <laughs> right, right. Imagine Not saying wrong. that like this time last year, right? Um, right. But yeah, so Syracuse in the under. I don't. Again, I don't want to lay that many with Syracuse, but let's just what the hell? Let's just do it. So give me Syracuse and give me under fifty three. I, I don't think I don't think Virginia is going to be able to score a ton in this game to, to send this thing over. Give me Virginia plus the nine. I I can't do it. Can't do it. I can't. I can't do. It. I can't. I can't lay nine with Syracuse. What are we? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Here. I know. It's just too new. This is too new to be like back on Syracuse. I'm not there yet. It feels like a lot of points. I I think Syracuse wins this game. I don't really foresee a situation where Virginia actually like wins here. <laughs> I could see a backdoor cover though. I could see them being down a couple scores backdoor covering. That's uh, that, that's fair. Now, yeah. We're now living we're now living in a world where like I don't Virginia could be if Georgia Tech didn't exist. Virginia could be the worst team in the ACC this year. Mm-hmm. Um, their fans are going to scream, but like, roll the tape, roll the tape. Um, this is not a very good program right now on either side of the ball. Thank God for Brennan Armstrong. Otherwise, this would be like a two and ten year for UVA, in my opinion. It's like been mm-hmm. that, it's been that bad through three weeks. They've been they've looked awful. I mean, it's so, honestly not far off from the Boston College situation where they basically had to replace their right. whole offensive line. It's almost like right. that's not a super easy, simple thing to do year over year. Right. And then imagine doing that and also replacing a coaching staff. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's a lot. And um, I, even so, laying nine with Syracuse feels like a ton. That feels like a ton. Mm-hmm. So give me UVA plus a nine. I think we're in a backdoor cover situation here. I think Syracuse wins. I think it feels comfortable for most of the game, and, and UVA scores late to to cover the spread. But I Syracuse is better. They're a better team right now, and that seems wild considering what both teams were returning on paper uh, coming into the year. I thought you know UVA looked like a bowl team. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like Syracuse could win like seven games. They got a mm-hmm. brutal schedule in the second half of the year, but I feel like they could almost like not only get to five or six, but maybe get to seven with the way the defense is playing and the way the offenses look. Garrett Schrader throwing the ball a little bit, completing like 70% of his passes. Like mm. That's pretty good. Your mileage may vary. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I You know, one of the things I, I think about, and we keep highlighting week to week of, of the Syracuse offenses, um, they're, we're, we're workshopping a name for my new advanced metric uh, about Syracuse's <laughs> offense. But the point is that it seems like – I feel like we saw from Purdue, uh, if if your defense kind of knows what to look for and is committed to stopping it and is capable of it, like you can cause some problems for Syracuse's offense. And, and Purdue did for a lot of the, a lot of the afternoon there uh, last Saturday. My issue with that in this game is I'm not totally convinced that Virginia's defense is capable of causing those issues for Syracuse's offense. I, I don't think Virginia's defense is really all that good. Um, I think they're still having some problems on that side of the ball. So even if even if they are starting to figure it out, I don't know what they're going to be able to do about it in a lot of cases. So um, I think this might this is like an ugly, weird football game. I, I think maybe 
give me Syracuse like thirty one seventeen, something like that. I think it's if anything, they maybe get into the low thirties, but um I, I think it's also relatively low scoring here. I think Syracuse will keep it that way. So um give me Syracuse in the under. Uh UVA in the under. Syracuse outright. Unders, by the way, so far through three weeks, uh winning sixty six percent of the time. I mean, that'll build you a couple homes. Mm-hmm. We've picked 27 games. We've had 18 of them go under the total. So uh, when in doubt, like just that. bet the under. That's right. All right. Under for both of us. Syracuse for me. Virginia for Mike. Uh, Mike, let's go to Saturday, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start at noon on ABC. This is probably the game of the week in the ACC. The number no, five. Oh, oh, number five. Clemson on the road in Winston-Salem going into the absolute snake pit known as Truist Field. Taking on the number 21, Wake Forest, Steeman Deeks. Clemson, a seven-point favorite on the road. Total is 55.5. Mike, trap game here. NC State coming up next week for Clemson, but they got to go take on Wake Forest. How are we feeling? Sounds like Clemson's going to go out and get some exercise this weekend, doesn't it? <laughs> some fresh air. Some fresh air, some exercise. Joey, Clemson, lock it up. Oh. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Joey, we've seen this movie before, haven't we? What, Wedding Crashers? or? <laughs> well, yes, several times. My favorite movie. <laughs> My favorite movie, in fact. Um We've seen this movie before in regard to Clemson and Wake Forest. Wake Forest's offense, they're high-powered until they play a real defense. Uh, Clemson's front just has athletes that Wake Forest's front offensively does not have. Uh, This Clemson front seven gave Wake Forest's offensive line a ton of problems last year. A ton of problems, right? And Clemson's returning the entirety of that unit. And guys like Brian Brissy at full health and this is are we are we absolutely sure I, I know Clemson's only a seven point favorite on the road are we absolutely sure Wake Forest is going to be able to block Clemson up front I'm not Mm-mm. I'm not and that's that's kind of where I'm at here like I'm not sure Wake Forest is going to have a really good time trying to move the ball in this game and Again, Sam Hartman, really good quarterback. They got a bunch of really good receivers. I'm not sure how much time he's going to have to throw. I'm not sure they're going to be able to run the ball really at all. And, Joey, you brought this up before we hit record, and I'm sure you'll kind of expand on this here in a moment. Wake Forest could not run the ball on Liberty. Like, they're not running on Clemson. So Mm -hmm. we're going to turn this into a 55-pass Sam Hartman game with that offensive line going up against Clemson's front seven. You know, you can have that if you'd like. I, I will pass on that. Um, is Clemson's offense going to score a ton of points? Maybe. Wake Forest defense is terrible. They have 36 to Liberty. Admittedly, a Liberty team that offensively may be a little bit better than I thought coming into the year, um, especially with Charlie Brewer getting hurt and, you know, Kadon, whatever his name is, coming in and playing playing well over the weekend. Like, Liberty's offense looked a lot better than I expected, and they scored a bunch on Wake. Clemson's got better athletes than Liberty. I'm not sure that Clemson's offense is really all that good, but I think they'll score enough here 
to beat Wake Forest by a couple touchdowns. Give me Clemson. Give me Clemson. I, this is a bad matchup for Wake Forest. Mike, I want to take you back uh, a long time ago. A long time ago. It was last November when in week 11, the 9-1 and number 10 ranked Wake Forest Stephen Deeks came into Death Valley taking on the 7-3 and unranked Clemson Tigers. I don't remember what the spread was here. I think it might have been like a Clemson minus three or something like kind of, you know, suspiciously small. Yep. And the thought was Clemson has looked awful this year. They can't move the ball on almost anybody. Uh, Big Cinco looking like a failure. Wake Forest looks like a buzzsaw. This is, this is their chance. And you know what happened in Death Valley, Mike? Remind me, Joey. Clemson friggin' sat on Wake Forest for four quarters that day. It took Wake Forest five possessions to come up with a second first down in the first half. Like, whatever Wake Forest is doing that works just doesn't work when Clemson is running out there on defense what they're running out there. Like, it just did not work. Uh, Wake Forest struggled moving the ball for really the first three quarters and had, had a lot of luck in the fourth quarter in garbage time. Uh, Clemson, by the way, who couldn't move the ball all year, <laughs> racks up 38 points in the first three quarters of this game. Um, they ran for over 300 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Like it, it turned into an absolute shellacking on, at the hands of Clemson, and that to me is instructive. I, I remember going into that game being very much on the side of, oh, I think I think Wake Forest might have them this year, and coming out of it thinking. I cannot do this again. You mentioned the thing about Wake Forest last year or last week against Liberty. That did not go very yep. well. Um, I, I just want to ask you this, by the way. Do you know when the last time that Wake and Clemson played a one-score game? When is the last Please time like that me. Clemson versus Wake Forest ended in a one-score margin? Please enlighten me, Joey. It was 2011 when oh. Jim Grobe's Wake Forest – lost 31-28 in Death Valley. It's been over 10 years since this game was a one-score game. Do you know the last time that Wake Forest won this game? Enlighten me, Joey. It was 2008 when Jim Grobe's Wake Forest beat Tommy Bowden's Clemson team. Dabo Swinney has only ever played this to one score one time since he's been the head yeah. coach at Clemson. Other than that, they have always won this game by like double digits or more. There is a reason for that. I love Wake Forest. I know that we lost, you know, 200 Van Gorder coin last year, whatever it was, and my picks are bad at times, but I'm just telling you right now, just bet Clemson. Man. Mike, double barrel. Let's go. What could that possibly be in reference to, Patrick Hayes? <laughs> we are on Clemson this week, buddy. We saw your email. Thank double you for sending it in. barrel lock, Mike. We appreciate you as a listener. <laughs> we appreciate your extra long email that I was able to read on my lunchtime today. We are on Clemson. Hey, Joey, <laughs> the one thing I want to mention, uh, you said the last time Wake Forest played it to a one-score game was 2011, mm -hmm. right? Jim Grobe. Mm -hmm. Good coach, by the way. Really good coach, yeah. Jim Grobe. Um, Wake Forest has had a ton of really, really good teams since then. Mm -hmm. Arguably, Dave Clawson is leading Wake Forest through some of the best years of their football history yeah and they still can't keep it close with clemson so mm -hmm. yeah i'm on the tigers lock it up 
Yep. Um, a little bit behind the. I'll pull back the curtain here a little bit. By the way, when Mike, when you went on your little rant on the uh, the recap week three recap uh, yeah, about yeah. Wake yep. Forest, I guess supposedly mm-hmm. being like smoke and mirrors or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I had to I had to like leave and go take care of a couple parenting duties for a couple minutes. So I didn't actually really truly hear what you said. I just had to like you know kind of in post production come in and kind of keep it going with. Uh, so I don't know what I agreed to. Um, I do know that I think Wake Forest is a good team and. <laughs> I think they're going to win a lot of games this year, and I have nothing against them. We love our Steam and Deeks, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll probably be picking them quite a bit this year. Yep. This week, not doing it. No way. No. Not in this game, not in this spot even. Clemson, I, I think Clemson sits on them the way that they did last year, the way that they have for years and years and years. I don't think anything yeah. is different this year. Yeah. I mean, I think Wake Forest can win 10 games, but Clemson will not be one of those 10. Yep. So. yep. Uh, I've also got under 55 and a half. Um, I, I think – I think that's the degree to which Clemson's able to sit on Wake Forest's offense. Um, I think it's, yep. I don't know, call it 35-17, something like that. Um, I don't feel that strongly about the under, but I think it may be slightly under. Once again, when in doubt, pick the under. Yeah, I think this is like 35-10. Yeah, fair enough. I don't I don't Double. find this game particularly appealing, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I'll it's watch name it. name brand. I mean, I'll watch it. It's a name-brand game. If this game's close in the second half, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. Time will tell. Yep. Patrick, will, uh, Patrick, email us when we're wrong. Let e- us hear please. about it. Please. I will readily admit if I'm wrong about this game, but I just don't see it happening. By the way, I don't I know if you... I will be betting this game, by the way. I'll <laughs> be betting it. So. I don't know if you realized, um, we, we've gotten one other email from Patrick previously, and uh, it was his offer to help us out with the Wake Forest Tell Us About Your Team series episode. <laughs> Which we neglected um, to do. Well, it's not a neglecting thing. We didn't get to it, and maybe next offseason we'll get there. But, um, but yeah, very uh, you know good listener, big Wake Forest fan. Patrick, we appreciate you writing in just for this particular week. Not, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with it. Basically, if you, if you think wake. that Wake wins this game. Not on Wake this week. Not on Wake. Let's keep moving here, Mike. Uh, 3.30 on ABC, the North Carolina Tar Heels at home against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. North Carolina, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 55-and-a-half. Trap. This is, yeah. Um, there's another podcast out there that I enjoy listening to that has a really good Admiral Akbar sound of, uh, it's a trap, it's a trap. Yeah. I, I I was ready to go in on North Carolina in this game, and then I saw the line, and I got spooked. I do not know. Somebody knows something that I don't, and I am all of a sudden very concerned about this line. Notre Dame's defense has been pretty good this year. Yeah, but can Notre Dame's offense move the ball out of a wet nope. paper bag? Like, Nope. But like I said with Virginia Tech a couple minutes ago, if there's any week to do it, it's against North Carolina. I feel like this I feel like this is a little bit of like a correlated parlay situation. If you like Notre Dame to win this game, you're taking the under. Mm-hmm. If you like North Carolina, you're probably taking the over. Like Yes. I don't see a situation where North Carolina wins this game by like 40. So it's no. if they if they're going to win, you know, this is going to get into like, you know, both teams scoring 30 plus, I feel like. Here's the thing though, and I I don't disagree with you about the correlated parlay. I think it's a smart take most of the time. Here's the thing though, I think this game's going to get weird. I think this game's going to get weird. Very possible. Uh, uh 
I agree with everything you said, but I think it's going to get weird. Uh, we don't bet unders in North Carolina games, Joey. That's not something as a podcast we're going to do this year. Okay, so valid I, point. I decided that for you. We're not doing that this year. <laughs> we're not betting Carolina, Carolina unders. We're not doing it. Official basketball uh, conference doctrine. It is a yeah. <laughs> it's it's don't more bet of a the under in a UNC game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, when you put on like those old Disney movies when you were younger and they had like the FBI warning about copyright infringement. That's kind of like what we're dealing with here. Like if you bet the under on North Carolina, you're going to be put in prison. Like we're betting overs on Carolina games. You wouldn't so, download a car. <laughs> who would? Who, who, who in their right mind would ever pirate video? That's weird. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, I'm, I'm on Notre Dame. Notre Dame in the over. I think it's going to get weird. Carolina's defense is terrible. Notre Dame, I think, figures it out offensively. I don't know. Give me Notre Dame. I don't. I don't trust North. Why would I trust North Carolina? Not that I trust Notre Dame either. But why would I trust North Carolina? I mean, on the basis of what exactly? They're the worst three and O team in the country. On the basis of what? Notre they Dame have lost twice already. Notre Dame's offense has looked awful. They're ass, Joey. They're terrible. Their like, offense is awful. There's no like, disputing this year. I kind of can't figure out how they scored 24 points last weekend against a pretty good Cal defense. Um, I That doesn't make sense to me. Um, but it's like you, you go up against... We agree. Yeah, You go up against Marshall, you come up with 21 points, and I think some of that was in garbage time. You know, basically at the end of the game. I mean, it's like... Yeah, yeah one touchdown was late. No Tyler Buckner, so the whole thing goes through Drew Pine. Like, I don't know, man. Certainly, if you're if we're picking who's got the better quarterback, I mean, give me Drake oh, May by a yeah. mile. Drake Drake May is a better quarterback than Tyler Buckner. Yeah, for sure. He's better than Buckner. <sighs> Buckner was unimpressive. He was he was not very good against Ohio State, but everybody threw it away because it's Ohio State. And then he came out against Marshall and played pretty poorly for mm-hmm. like two and a half quarters before he got hurt. Or three and a half, whatever it was, whenever he got hurt. Late third, late fourth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Stay away from this. I mean, bet the over, though. Uh, yeah. I, I would not <laughs> recommend... I don't know, man. I, I am so spooked by this. Give me, I, I guess give me North Carolina. I think they're going to... I mean, they're going to be motivated, obviously, to try to get their win back from two years ago when Notre Dame came into Chapel Hill late in the year and, uh, and got that win. Um, and beat that ass. They did. They did on their way to getting that ass beat by Clemson in the ACC championship game. Um, yeah, Notre Dame played for the ACC championship. 2020 was a weird time. <laughs> weird um, time. Yeah, I don't know. Only a point and a half, I guess. Give me North Carolina. Uh, and like you said, I think I think the over, but this is, this is going to be a weird game, man. I'm not interested in actually putting any uh, American Van Gorder coin on this game, so I'll, I'll just pass. Andy in the over. And I'll watch I, it. I will watch this. Mm-hmm. I'll be locked. You know I'm locked into this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Over for both of us. North Carolina for me. Notre Dame for Mike. Uh, let's keep moving here, Mike. The uh, the other actual, like, low-key game of the week, maybe across the country, should have had college game day at noon on Fox Sports 1. Our Duke Blue Devils on the road in Lawrence taking on the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas a seven and a half point favorite. 
Total is 66 and a half. Um, once again, this should have been probably college game day. I think these two teams are a combined 6-0 and right now. Yeah. That's correct. Duke and Kansas have played six games and have not lost any of them this year. That is astounding and really just does not jive with anybody's expectations this year. I, I thought Duke was going to be you know, considerably the worst team in the ACC. Not the case. No, not the case. Uh, Joey, in, in other one of those weird games where, like, Kansas minus 7.5, are we sure we're going to bet Kansas Jayhawks football favored by a touchdown in a Power 5 game? Are we doing that? Touchdown and the hook? In a Power 5 game we're doing that? I hear you. I hear you. Are we you. sure? I kind of, actually. Like, Kansas actually looks pretty decent against some, I think, what we think is decidedly good competition so far this year. Duke looks good against what might be sneaky garbage competition. Um, Temple, not so sneaky garbage, just regular garbage. Northwestern beat Nebraska. That was great. And then turns around and lost considerably. What was it to Southern Illinois or whatever FCS team last week? God, man. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they let Duke beat him twice. It was Southern Illinois. Yeah. Southern Illinois. There you go. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm leaning with Kansas here. I think Kansas can win this game by 10 points. Really? I think it turns into a little bit of a shootout. I, I like Kansas in the over here, I believe. I like Duke in the over. I actually like Kansas to win outright, but I like Duke to cover 7.5. So, give me hmm. Kansas to win, Duke to cover 7.5. I am not betting Kansas as a 7.5-point favorite in a Power 5 game. I'm not doing it. Like, I hear you. a little bit more first. Can't do it. Won't do it. I, I, I hear you. I mean... <laughs> love Lance Leipold, by the way. Love him. But, but let's play this out a little bit either of these teams being favored by more than a touchdown against each other it's like no uh, eh. normally i would feel iffy but i think kansas's offense might be a little bit of a buzzsaw a little Hmm. bit just a little bit of one so it's like that's where i think with the over can't wait to watch that buzzsaw in big 12 competition that'll be something i mean (laughs) I would say how many great defenses are there in the Big 12, but that's a little bit of an age take. I think uh, well, there might be It plenty. is a little bit. Imagine Kansas going up against like Oklahoma State's pretty good defense. Like, What's that going to look like? Yeah, I don't know. Well, and without without Jim Knowles there. Without I mean, Jim Knowles, first-year defense coordinator there now. Like, What's that going to look like? I mean, putting up 48 and 55 the last two weeks on the road at Houston and West Virginia, like, I mean, neither of those teams has the 85 Bears on defense, but... I would like, agree. But you're putting up 50 points a game so far in three games. Like, there's something to that. And I think a lot of it is, you know, a, a really good run game, which will translate pretty well from week to week. So, I don't know. Right. Give me Kansas, I guess. And uh, I, I look forward to regretting that pick. You're a sick bastard. <laughs> I mean, we knew that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we did. Nothing new there. All right, over for both of us. Uh, I'm not going to lock it up yet, but I am tempted to, so we will come back to that. Uh, Kansas for me, Duke for Mike. Yeah, Yeah, I'll probably pass. Mike, this next game is brought to you by Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place for purchasing all sorts of wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. 
Uh, they've got t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, something for the whole family, men, women, and children. All the official word marks. They've got shirts with the in the official tech gold. Uh, all sorts of great things. That ATL logo that's on the field, uh, that was designed by Steven over at Section 103. So cannot recommend going to see them enough. If you are looking for something to wear to the Georgia Tech game in Orlando and you are willing to identify yourself as a Georgia Tech fan right now, go to section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. We love our Section 103. It's really high-quality stuff. It looks great. It's incredibly comfortable. Uh, it holds up over, uh, over a long time. I've got a couple of the performance shirts that help keep me cool. That's going to be necessary in Orlando this time of year. So go there. Go once again to Section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. That'll let Steven and the gang know that we sent you. We appreciate those who do, and we appreciate Steven and his partnership this year. they got stickers, too, by the way. Go go grab a couple of those and stick those on your car as you make the trip down to Orlando. Or as, Orlando. You, celebrate in, or as you celebrate in a parade when Jeff Collins is eventually fired. Okay, continue. <laughs> that parade is probably roughly like 3 o'clock on Sunday at this point. Um, so, you know, <laughs> mark your calendars. In Orlando at 4 o'clock on ESPNU, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets on the road. They are a 20-and-a-half-point underdog taking on the UCF Golden Knights, or the Knights, or whatever they're... Yeah, the Knights, just the Knights. They used to be the Golden Knights. Uh, total is 56-and-a-half. I, I feel like I am left with no choice on this here podcast but to pick UCF um, because I believe that there is a solid amount of quit in this Georgia Tech team. And I do believe at this point, from basically from here on out in the season, if you just bet against Georgia Tech, uh, basically the way that we were doing against Temple last year, just bet against Georgia Tech every week. Um, just do that. There's going to be like one or two weeks. I I just I have a feeling there's going to be one or two weeks that they're going to all of a sudden jump up and you know supernova a little bit and, and put it all together for just like a week at a time. But that's going to be like the Will Ferrell and old school like gets in the debate and blacks out and all of a sudden something great happens and then goes back to being what they are. Um, I don't think that's going to be this week. It might be, but if it is, then chances are next week we'll you know be back to business as usual. So just bet against Georgia Tech, lay the three touchdowns. UCF wins this game pretty comfortably. I don't think Georgia Tech cares, and I think they're quitting on Jeff Collins. I think he'll be fired soon, and uh, it, it'll all be over. Just shh, don't worry. The whole uh, supernova for one week and then going back to normal and actually being pretty bad, that's the Justin Fuente Virginia Tech model. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that is. Particularly week one, it seems like. I was going to say, like, couldn't say much much that was good about Justin Fuente and his staff, but they could advance scout for week one. I will say that. <laughs> Justin Fuente never lost an opener in Blacksburg. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, weird stat. He was 6-0, but couldn't win literally anything else. Uh, back to this game. Yeah, UCF is a bigger favorite over Georgia Tech this week than Ole Miss was last week. Mm-hmm. Granted, this game's on the road for Georgia Tech. They're going to the bounce house. I mean, for those keeping score at home, Ole Miss was a 16-17 point favorite by kickoff and won by 42. Yes. So... We're, we're, we might be approaching that territory of there's no number big enough that Louisville got to in 2018 under Petrino. So, yeah. um, Georgia Tech's allowing 185 yards per game on the ground. And that's it? it? Yeah, and the thing about you, it, that seemed low to me, didn't it? Yeah, it I was expecting 200 plus. Yeah, and uh, UCF has a quarterback named John Reese Plumley who can mm-hmm. both run and throw. Joey, he kind of does a little bit of both. This is going to be a problem for Georgia Tech. 
mm-hmm. and I'm laughing because I can't believe I'm going to do this. UCF Mines. minus twenty and a half. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. That is an absolute sicko's bet, by the way. Sicko's bets only. That is a pile of points, and I am. Locking I don't know, man. Up. I I'm just I'm I'm just afraid. The week that I choose to lock it up is going to be the week that they go like supernova and randomly beat someone, like they did with North Carolina last year. It was don't like, worry. oh, they're a 17 point underdog. They're going to get killed. Oh, they nah, won by 30. You don't gotta you don't gotta worry about that. Uh, probably not. Uh, Mike, Good I am Joey. five and zero over the last two weeks on locks, and honestly, just you know, just Georgia Tech covering here would be a, a nice way to be wrong. So w- whatever, let's just yeah, double barrel. Let's go. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, let's do it. Whatever. Uh, UCF, give me the under fifty six and a half. I feel like at some point UCF is going to have a little bit of mercy. I think Georgia Tech's offense is kind of quitting too. I don't know that UCF's defense is particularly great, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to. I don't think Georgia Tech's offense is good enough or cares enough to put up, you know, more than like seventeen points in this game. So, yeah, I think this is UCF maybe like. Something in the same vein of like you know forty one to ten or something like that. I think it's pretty Jesus. bad. <laughs> that escalated quickly. I hate. How are I, you feeling? Dude, I'm so sick of this. It sucks. How are you feeling about the uh, Chip Long experience? I mean, it was pretty good week one, and then I don't know, man. Like week two wasn't as good. We said, oh, it's a short week, and you know whatever, maybe not a big deal. And then last week, I mean, pretty early in the game, it was like Jeff Sims on third and nine was like two yards away from the sticks and just decided to step out of bounds and everything just sort of, I don't know. I don't think it's Chip Long's fault. Honestly, I think, I think it's some of the players just needing to like give a damn and needing to try and not quit and stuff. I, I am so down on like where this team is at this point. I don't, I don't hate Chip Long as the offensive coordinator just yet, but I don't know if it's his fault really. I'm not um, I'm not laughing at your demise because I literally just went through this a year ago. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> the the thing that's funny to me is, and, and by the way, Georgia Tech fans are going to be like, oh, Mike doesn't like Georgia Tech. Um, I own two Section 103 t-shirts that I wear regularly. Okay, Bobby so, Dodd is Mike's happy place. That's correct. Never been there in my life. Happy <laughs> place. Um, I don't really care. Like, I don't have any ill will towards Georgia Tech. Joey, you know that. I don't care. Like, One Georgia week Tech's a year. Fine. But other than that. One week a year. Yeah, one week a year, and it's only for podcast pride. If Virginia Tech loses that game, I could pull my hair out. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Um, I'm laughing because I literally just went through this a year ago, and I'm, like, watching it happen as an outsider. Pretty much how you got to watch it with me. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. I mean, it sucks in the moment, but it's funny later. I promise. I mean, are we saying that Chip Long is not doing a good job? Like, he's screwing over this offense? Well, I mean, he's walking into a near impossible situation. Like the best, the best player on the offense transferred out. Yeah. Like Jameer Gibbs is now playing running back at Alabama, and he was the best player on the offense last year for mm-hmm. a couple of years, actually. So, I mean, what's he walking into? He's walking into Jeff Sims and a pile of spare parts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at least quarterback, running back wise. 
the talent is there. It's a development question and a deployment question. I think receiver Nate McCollum has been pretty good. Like there's stuff there. The offensive line continues to be kind of a disappointment. Like and and some of the stuff with like the blocked punts. We've got three blocked punts so far this year from Georgia Tech. Like it's just basic protection stuff. Like last week they said Jeff Sims was sacked seven times. I would bet no less than three of them did the guy who came in and sacked him came in untouched. Yeah. Like just totally untouched. And and it's like, how does this keep happening? Is it a Sims problem? Is it a Brent Key offensive line problem? Like, I don't know, but it's it's not just an anomaly that happens once or twice. It's like repeatedly happening for years. So I don't know. Whatever. It does seem like a coaching problem. You want under fifty six and a half or over? I do. Yeah, I'll I'll take the under. (laughs) All right. I'm thinking like I'm thinking like twenty seven to six. Yeah. That's a cover by half point. That would be a just a disgusting Saturday afternoon, I feel like. Uh, twenty seven like six. Virgi- it, that's I mean, twenty seven seven was Virginia Tech Wofford, so that's pretty much how my Saturday went last week. I mean you got that done. You had time for twenty seven holes after that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a couple beers. You you can have, you know, <laughs> You can pre-game happy hour. There you and go. There were a lot of things that could happen. Exactly, exactly. All right. Both of us have locked up UCF, and we also have the under. So just just do that with Georgia Tech. Once again, that preview brought to you by Section103.com. Section103's products way better than anything Georgia Tech is putting out there on the field right now. Just go buy, buy shirts and sweatshirts from them. They're, they're, they're good for you. Yeah, the best thing, on, the best thing with Georgia Tech's are logo. That's about it. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. The Boston College Eagles on the road in Tallahassee taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Florida State is a 17.5-point favorite at home. Total is 48.5. Speaking of which, Mike, 48.5, give me the under. And you better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I kind of think Florida State runs away with this game. I think it's a low scoring. I, I don't know that Boston College is going to score more than. I'll be surprised if they score more than ten points in this game. Um, yeah, but I think that Boston College's defense also pretty good. Might give Florida State's offense some problems. Didn't so, give Virginia Tech problems. I mean, it's not like Virginia Tech like lit up the scoreboard in that game either. <laughs> I'm just saying, whose offense are you taking, Florida State's or Virginia Tech's, buddy? Florida State, 100. percent That's right. That, that's right. Just saying. I feel like Florida State has basically got to score almost all of this by themselves if this is going to go over. I agree. I agree. So give me the under, and I'm locking that up. uh, I'm on the under as well. I like Florida State. Jordan Travis has been practicing this week. Good sign. Good sign for Florida State. Uh, They don't don't need him this week, by the way. Like, BC's terrible. I'm fading BC. Yeah. Uh, 17 and a half is a lot. Give me Florida State. I think they win comfortably at home and give me the under. No mm-hmm. real strong opinions here other than BC's terrible, and I don't think Florida State has much of a chance here. I think Treshawn Ward's too much of a problem in the backfield. Low-key been, I mean, you can't name two better running backs in the conference so far this year. Like, mm-hmm. he's been really, really good. He might be the best running back in the ACC. So mm-hmm. that's going to be tough for BC, I think. Not going to go well. This is also Florida State's, like, proper home opener other than that game in week zero against Duquesne. Yeah, so weather delay for like two and a half hours. Yeah, the Knolls coming home, playing this game, conference game, at 3-0, and first real home game of the year. I'm kind of tempted to lock up the Knolls here, too. 
I just I don't think that Boston College is going to score. Like Florida State can win this game thirty-one to ten and cover and get the under. Joey, if if you lay if you lay seventeen and a half with Florida State at twenty and a half with UCF and lock both of those up, that would be <laughs> that would be a sickos committee special. Uh, it's like I thought I was better than that, but apparently not. You, you know what, Joey? I had a thought. Oh. Florida State, my 17 and a half. Lock it up, baby. <laughs> lock it up. You lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Uh, Mike, you're a bad influence. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm with you. All right, what the hell? Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, it. Now, okay, good. Lock it up. Perfect. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. This is lock it up. we're doing this. I am now at four locks, and I uh, the, the the last two I've laid a combined 38 points. What could possibly go wrong? You now have you have, you have more locks now than me, right? Uh, yeah, that's three for you, four for me. God, okay, we're locking up everything tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I looked at that record five and zero the last two weeks. I'm like feeling myself over here. Yeah, that's well. right. Spray the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna leave the, you're gonna leave the under just there. You're not gonna lock that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not touching the under. You can you can have that, buddy. That's fine. Be a coward. It's all right. That's okay. Oh, be a, be a, be a coward. Yeah. Well, <laughs> pa- Patrick Hayes, man, we turn our 300 Vanguard coin into 700 Vanguard coin, baby. Here we go. I'm looking forward to like a 38 to 10 game where I'm sweating at 48 and a half, getting the under. We'll see how that goes. Nothing like sweating out a four touchdown spread on the total. I love yeah, it. Yeah, right. Exactly. So Florida State and the under for the both of us. Uh, we both have Florida State locked, and I have the under locked, and uh, I'm going to regret everything. It'll be fine. What are we doing? It'll be fine, Mike, I swear. Uh, let's go to noon on ESPN3. Uh, is this the Jefferson Pilot special game? or No, that's that's NC State-UConn later on. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. God, gross. Noon on ESPN3, the Louisville Cardinals hosting the University of South Florida Bulls. Louisville is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 64. Give me Louisville. Um, mm. I think this is a bit of a net crack. Like, let's let's exercise a couple of Demons games. Uh, I don't think USF is going to be able to hang for four quarters. I think Louisville can kind of run this thing up in the second half a little bit. Uh, give me South Florida. I'm on the other side of that. Oh, okay. Give me South Florida. Uh, they looked pretty good against Florida. They looked competent. Um can they do it two weeks in a row? That's a big question. Louisville's like so goddamn inconsistent. Like I, incredibly, yes. I, I and that's why I have trouble sitting here watching him lay two touchdowns against a team that I just watched go into the swamp and look competent. Um, now again, is this a letdown spot for South Florida? Absolutely, absolutely, it is. Thousand percent a letdown spot, but it just—it's a lot of points for a Louisville team that's as inconsistent as they are and for a South Florida team that I just watched a decent amount of last weekend play pretty well. So, I mean, Jeff Scott is screwed there because it's a really tough job. He's screwed. He'll probably be the offensive coordinator at Clemson soon, so good for them. Lucky for their fans. They'll, they'll get to watch real offense again soon. But this is... Um, I, I don't see it with Louisville. Maybe... maybe Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do win by like three or four scores. I come out looking like a total idiot. But, yeah, give me USF. It's recency bias, though, Joey. Yeah. 
I don't know. I just there's a little bit of a letdown factor for me with with South Florida of like you came that close and and not just anywhere, but that's the team from Tampa and a, a lot of guys from Florida going into the swamp and almost getting it done. Like now you got to go back on the road up to Louisville and a spread of you know 14 in the hook. Just I don't know. I'm not going to lock it up because I like you. I am, I mean, I can't trust Louisville at this point. That's for sure. Um, but give me the over total 64. I think this, this is a bit of a higher scoring thing. I don't know how much Louisville's defense is going to add, uh, but I think they are going to score a decent amount. So, um, give me Louisville, something like, I don't know, 45 to 28. That gets us there, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Gets there. Yep. That gets us there. Yeah. Um, I'm on the over as well. Uh, you and I are in, are in lockstep on the totals. We've Mm -hmm. been agreeing on a lot of totals. Um, I think we're totally sh- We've agreed on every total tonight. What could possibly go really? wrong? Yeah. Well, if one of us is wrong, Joey, I got news for you. <laughs> we're both wrong. We're both wrong. That's correct. That's just math. Yeah, it's just math, baby. All right. Louisville for me, USF for you, over for both of us. Uh, let's keep going. We got uh, a couple more FBS games and then a, a, a an FCS game to close out. This is the Jefferson Pilot Special, I think. I don't know when this became like an evening slot, but for the second week in a row, at 7.30 on ESPN3, check your local listings. The number 12 NC State Wolfpack taking on the UConn Huskies from Raleigh. Uh, Total is 49.5. NC State is a 39-point favorite. Implied score here, I believe, is like 44-5 to or something like that. So, Mike, give me UConn. <laughs> give me give me Connecticut in a thirty nine. Uh, I don't know that <laughs> NC State sure? don't. Yeah, I don't know that NC State is going to run this thing up. Um, I I think especially with the Clemson game coming up next week for the Wolfpack, this is a get to the middle of the third quarter, absolutely pack it in, put the backups in. Just run the clock out, get everybody out of here healthy. Let's go play in Death Valley next week. So I don't think NC State's going to try to run this thing up. So give me UConn in the 39, but NC State, I, I don't know, like 34 to 6. Sure. Just because just because they don't try to run it up doesn't mean they won't run it up. Oh, yeah, it won't take much if they want to. <laughs> that those are, those are two different things. Uh, give me NC State. <laughs> Woof. NC State minus 39. Give me NC State like 48 to 6. Speaking of sicko stuff, laying 39. <laughs> I'm laying 39. I mean, I'm not betting it, but I'm laying 30. Should I bet it? You want to bet it? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no you don't, you don't want to bet, you don't wanna I don't, bet uh, five and a half touchdown spreads? I don't need that in my Saturday night, Mike. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I, how, I mean, I don't Saturday know. Saturday during the day go like we'll see how the rest of the day goes i don't know maybe we'll maybe we'll get there look listen joey you're you're a parent of a newborn as am i if your kid has been screaming all day and you're just looking for something to kind of like sit back and relax and and have a drink while watching um just just bet the game a little low blood pressure watch nc state try to cover nearly six scores at home (laughs) against UConn. Because nothing comforts a crying baby quite like UConn keeping it within 39 on Saturday night. <laughs> Hair of the dog, so to speak. Yeah. You said the under as well? 
I said 48 to 6. What was, what was the total? Thir- 49 and a half. <laughs> so over. Yeah, I put it over. Can I, can I revise my score prediction, please? Sure. Okay. Uh, 42 to 6? Oh, 40, that doesn't get you across the spread. Uh-oh. 40, 45, 45 <laughs> to 3. There you go. That'll do it. <laughs> Which is not too far off the implied score of 44 to 5. <laughs> that is... That has got to be about the closest that I have ever seen a spread and total in the context of this podcast. Um, Show me the five. How do you get to five? A f- yeah, a thirty-nine. Well, Iowa figured that out in week one. I was going to say. Way. Well, um, I mean, they found new and creative ways to get to seven. So, <laughs> how do you get to five? <laughs> two safeties and a field goal is thirty-nine point favorite. Total forty-nine and a half. Goodness. Two. Two field goal, or I'm sorry, two safeties and a field goal. That is Midwest football porn, if I've ever seen it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, Big Ten What's West better game. than this? Guys being dudes. <laughs> what, what, what was that? Where did that come from? Hey, Steve Adazio, talking about guys being dudes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right. At 3.30 on the ACC Network, last one, the number 25 Miami Hurricanes taking on the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. Miami, a 26.5-point home favorite. Total is 52.5. If you want to make me, I will do the math on what the implied score here is, but it's probably a lot to a little. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I guess Miami. Give me Miami. And... I guess after the after the Southern Miss situation a couple weeks ago, give me the under. I think Mario Cristobal is trying to play unders. Like he is not trying to play a, a high scoring brand of football down there in South Florida. I mean, the one thing I will say is that if the game gets tight and we're getting into a coach off on <laughs> on game management, Joey, give me Rick Stock still. <laughs> Oh, man, there are not a lot of guys out there that you would say, give me Rick Stockstill over <laughs> this other guy. <laughs> wow. I mean, okay. Rick, Stockstill, Rick Stockstill just got a contract extension. It's only because he had a trigger in his contract every year. He gets, hey. he gets a contract extension. Hey, how many contract extensions has Mario Cristobal gotten so far, huh? Rick Stockstill's gotten a bunch. That's true. <laughs> I mean, prove your worth, right? Who's the better coach, man? I'm just telling you. I mean, would you rather coach football in Miami, Florida, or Murfreesboro, Tennessee? I'm going to go with Miami, Florida. I mean, if you have to ask, you already know. That's that's true. I <laughs> I was joking about the game management coach off. I I don't think Cristobal is that bad. It's just funny that it's funnier this way. What about the nepotistic hire off? Kirk Ferentz, ten out of ten, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Every damn time. Rick Stock still seven out of ten. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're getting into a nepotism, higher power <laughs> rankings, I'm going to go with Iowa and then the field after that. There you go. I think Alex Mirabal was a old-time buddy with Miami, so with uh, Miami with Mario Cristobal from Miami. So uh, maybe it, I, I don't know. What is uh, what is the college football coaching circle if not a bunch of nepotism? Uh, Miami and the under for the both of us, if I'm hearing that right, Mike? Yeah, Miami under. Oh, by the way, you can argue nepotism with Justin Fuente keeping Brad Cornelson for as long as he did. You can argue nepotism there too. You know, Brad Cornelson must have had some pictures of Justin Fuente from the Christmas party or something like that going on. But <laughs> there is just no explanation. There is none. 
Yeah. Uh, last one, Mike. Noon on the ACC Network. The number 24 Pitt Panthers taking on the Rhode Island Rams. I uh, did not know that the Rams was the mascot for Rhode Island. Um, I don't know that we really have a spread here. So I guess the question here for me is, you know, Pitt's health and quarterback situation um, is – I don't know when we were going to expect Keaton Slovis to play again. I don't know when we expect Nick Patty to play again. Old St. Nick. It might just be the not – hold on, not Joe Yellen. The Nate Yarnell, Nate Yarnell show yet again, which really just means it's the Izzy Abanaconda and Vincent Davis show at running back for Pitt, which it always kind of was to begin with, but it especially is now. The Nate, the Nate Yarnell show is we've we've reached some sick sick depths on this podcast we're talking about the (laughs) nate yarnell show against rhode island what are we doing i look forward to that video next week where nate yarnell gets a scholarship at practice (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's got like his uh yeah, his like grandparents calling him, telling him he's put on scholarship <laughs> in the team meeting room. Yeah, <laughs> team meeting room is like grandparents are using Zoom for the first time. Yeah, I can see it. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, honey, Pitt... how do I use this? <laughs> how do I use the Zoom machine? <laughs> Nate, Nate, honey, Nate, you've been put on scholarship. <sighs> yeah, I can see it. Hail to Pitt! Yeah. God. <laughs> All right. Mike, that's all I got on week three. Sorry, there's probably <laughs> one more. That? What the hell was that preview? I, I mean, got a lot of games and uh, a lot of thoughts and opinions. Uh, there's, there's one more here. Hold on. Hold on. You know what's coming. You know what's left. I'm assuming they're not on a bye week. They're not. <laughs> oh. Do you know who our Bowling Green Falcons are playing this week. I do not. <laughs> they are in Starkville, Mississippi. Oh, no. <laughs> taking on the Pirate and his Mississippi State Bulldogs, who are a 30-point favorite at home. Total is 52 and a half. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you realize this, but Matt McDonald is still the quarterback at Bowling Green, which I think he—I think he's been their quarterback since before this podcast started. By the way, Matt, Matt McDonald has an arm, baby. I don't understand the math here. Like he has been there just forever, um, but yeah, E I E I O. So yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Probably Mississippi State. Not to be confused with former Hawaii quarterback Colt McDonald. <laughs> I mean, Colt Brennan. Or was that? Were those two different people? Oh my gosh, those are, those are two different people. Well, oh no! Well, give me Mississippi State. Yeah, just do that. Just do that. Um, God. On that note, let's get out of here. Uh, Mike, anything else on week four? Nope. <laughs> Mike's so proud of himself over here. Good job, Mike. Good job. All right. Uh, Good preview. Lots of good stuff going on. Um, Weird games starting Thursday and then Friday and then Saturday. So good weekend of ACC action. So keep it tuned here. We will come back. We will potentially do Saturday Night Fever recap. Who knows? Maybe. Depends on if the kids are sleeping or not. Never know. 
Uh, if not, we'll be back on Sunday evening to recap these games, and uh, we'll talk about kind of what happened, and I'm sure we will have been correct about how every single one of them went. Um, so we will talk to you then. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Big yawn there, Mike. Good job. Thank you. Uh, and shout out to Patrick Hayes for sending us an email. Appreciate that. Yes, um, yes. Shout out, Patrick. We, we agree with it for the most part. We disagree with it for this week. I was going to say, to be clear, shout out, Patrick. Not to be confused with shut out, Patrick. Because shut out <laughs> might be Saturday. <laughs> well done, Mike. Well done. Thank uh, you. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. All those places you go find podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, mash the like button and the and give us the five stars and all those things that you do on those places. We appreciate that. Um, Mike, where else on the social medias are we? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find uh, some of our podcasts there. <laughs> Valid. Appreciate that. Uh, yep. I mean, Mike. can't lie to listeners, right? That's right. That's right. Anything else before we get out of here? Nope. Please don't cancel us. Please don't. Mike, enjoy week four. We will talk again as we uh, have some games to recap. Absolutely. All right. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Enjoy week four, and afterwards we will talk to you then. Go ACC. Uh-huh.